Welcome to the Esports Network Podcast. We talk anything and everything esports related, and part of that is talking the big news. And part of the big news this past week for League of Legends, at least, out of the LEC, was Mad Lions taking home that first place, uh, I guess, first place top prize, first place seeding. I don't know how you really would describe that, but here to help me talk about his team, uh, his organization, let's welcome in Till Vedeman, Director of Team Operations, uh, slash General Manager of Mad Lions. He's a bunch of titles there, but uh, Till, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on and talk uh, some League of Legends and, of course, Mad Lions in general. Thank you for having me. Always, always ready to talk League and Mad and all the things combined with that. <laughs> for sure. And so, in case, like I mentioned, Director of Team Operations, uh, based out of Europe. You're currently in Madrid uh, doing some, mm-hmm. some, some stuff with the, I'm assuming, the Counter-Strike team, which I'm, we're yes, not going to talk exactly. about too much, but <laughs> we'll see what, uh, what that, uh, how that performance turns out. But currently, like I mentioned, LEC squad has really secured themselves a, a, top, a top spot going into Worlds out of the LEC Summer Playoffs. Uh, I mean, where, where, can, where do I begin? Yeah, yeah the summer split tied for the best record at 12 and 6 overall finishing 2021 with a 22 and 14 regular season record i mean very impressive stuff i'm sure you're proud of the team right at least a little bit i mean couldn't be prouder of that we didn't we didn't go into the season thinking we'd, we'd win now obviously we, we thought we built a solid team we have a good kind of rookie in Ayoya here we knew amud was good and i was like okay we can compete for a world sport if we go to worlds it's a good season you know and you somehow win spring. You're like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been like long in the making to kind of kind of get here. Like all of these things, like go years and years back to find the right people to get to this point, and and seeing it all come together now is is just great. Uh, for sure. And so let's let's rewind a little bit, right? So uh, the position you're in right now, director of team operations and, and general manager, it's not really it's not something I, I assume it's a job application for. So how did you end up joining the Mad Lions organization? How did you end up uh, you know reaching that position you're in right now? I've actually never applied to be a manager in any organization I've worked for, but I've always become a manager. Funnily <laughs> enough, but yeah, uh, in it was it used to be Splice back in 2015, early 2016, uh, when they were just they acquired the EU LCS slot from Dignitas EU at the time, mm-hmm. and I kind of always wanted to get into the EU LCS at the time. I was always like, I always like League. That was the best league in Europe, so I always wanted to be there. But at the time, I was studying communication media management, so I was doing a lot of like video content, these type of thing so i applied as a video editor actually at the time oh wow and i was there one of their first uh, one of the first video guys i guess there so i started the kind of content department for splice in 2016 when it was really bare bones and kind of you did what you needed to do and it was it was kind of fun uh did that until 2018 uh the brand management on the side there as well kind of aligning with my studies then moved to berlin where i would then lead the content efforts that we had here in in germany uh but it kind of came to be that the manager role opened up and i was there in the house i spoke german and i <laughs> helped organize things i helped them find the office in the first place because i was on a few german-speaking employees there and unsurprisingly that was very useful uh, at the time and i guess i was never like properly appointed at the time but i just <laughs> did it and then they're like well i guess like you're staying now right <laughs> and this worked really well and i really kind of enjoyed it it's actually a similar thing happened at planet dynamics where i was all these years before in the german scene uh so i guess i kind of always find myself in those roles and then 
that position grew into the general manager position when we had an academy team in 2019 uh, and now uh, kind of started this year since we also have a counter-strike team that I managed became kind of director level position so everything team ops that has to do with Matt in Europe that's kind of my job so you've had a pretty pretty long like storied history uh, within esports like you said Spice before mm-hmm. which I'm sure we all remember very well the EU LCS uh, and and I'm, I'm just curious how you always find yourself in these managerial positions uh, what was an important kind of lesson or important kind of uh, like bit of your journey yet you to learn that kind of paid off dividends uh, later on in your career um, it's a tough early, question <laughs> early, yeah it, I had a good one for what I learned recently but on, on kind of at the start I think what, what made the manager role good or what helped me in that sense was always this this drive to like how can we make small things better and the fact that i usually enjoyed that which can sometimes be really annoying but it's the smallest from i still remember when it was mac and i in our first best of five in 2018 and we were like why are we not serving these people proper food during the best of five or in terms of like healthy <laughs> snacks and now you think about it and that's normal every team does yep. it at the time we were one of the first to go like into the supermarket with like new open eyes and go like, okay this should be good doing game okay that's the sugar level okay that's too high and we went through and prepared all these things for them and that was kind of the first time when we did that and then we just took that to the extreme having all these nice boxes prepared and everything is like that's the standard <laughs> um but i have realized that through like my career in esport partly because i just started so early in esport we're able to identify quite a lot of these things which were which now thinking back it's like of course that's the way we did it but at the time it was new and just we went through the extra effort to do it so to like always look at things and like how can we optimize and that's the thing that i try to tell my managers now of like what can you do every week every month that makes us one percent better there because we stack all these things then we're doing well or we're at least keeping up even because this industry is so fast so we don't improve then like three years down the line everybody does something and we're no longer the first to do it no for sure i mean that, that's that's a great perspective to have honestly it's 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 insane to think about that you know something that was common sense today back then was seen as cutting edge it's, it's seen as something you know ridiculously uh, you know it's a, it's a ridiculous idea how dare you know feeding healthy snacks in the middle of a of a, of a qualifier or something no 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 no, they don't need that but it's 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 funny right how that kind of ends up becoming the norm and then mm-hmm. people catch up to you and the bar has to be raised once again to kind of stay ahead of the uh, ahead of the game if you will right that's the challenge now exactly what's what's the next thing because you never know but in a year it's going to be clear and you, of course we should have done this <laughs> and now it's always just like well, what is it what do we need to improve so that's the standard in well let's say three years right and and at i guess at that level right this, this professional level like any incremental uh you know benefit like one percent two percent five percent you know benefit is really it, it pays off huge dividends like later on uh, throughout throughout the season throughout the series whatever really yeah, and I try to have this perspective of, like, I roughly, obviously, player salaries are very high. And player salaries, when you go from, like, a player giving you 100% and the next player is able to give you 103%, there's a price difference between those two players. Yes. And it can be hundreds of thousands of euros. So if you're able to improve your current players, even just of a couple of percent, and by often spending a lot less than what is required to get kind of the next best player, um, there is a lot to do there. Even once you have the best players, like then you can't spend to get a better one. So also spend reasonably on other things because otherwise you'll be holding them back. And if you're not the best environment for them to perform, then you're doing something wrong. No, for sure. And so I'm assuming in your position, a lot of your day-to-day activities consist of, you know, researching how to best support your teams. I mean, what exactly is like your daily activity schedule? What does it look like for you? 
So usually it's kind of supporting the team manager, have a team manager for every team, uh, and they handle all the day-to-day operations. If it's like a simple thing of, we need food at the start of the day, or we have this content shoot. So all of those things, kind of managing with them, working with them, they're all in budget. Um, like, for example, I'm in Madrid right now with the CSGO team here, so I make sure like all the tech is working, make sure our managers there are informed. Um, that's kind of the day-to-day. At the start of the manager career, that was like all you did. It was basically you're just swimming and keeping your head above water. <laughs> um, but by now in my current role and also the current state of esports we've kind of managed to build a boat and we can actually do a bit of long-term planning um so it's a lot of kind of off-season strategy something that i always discuss with our head coaches basically through the year because off-season as much as a shorter period in the year if we haven't talked about it the entire year and if we don't have a clear strategy then we are going to lose in the off-season so what are our next move where do we need to improve what, what's kind of happening on the market what are other teams doing that's something i spent a lot of time talking about and that's a lot where i trust kind of the expertise of the coaching staff we have um then it's also a lot working with our coaching staff especially at mad we have kind of identified coaching staff is just key to our success if we don't have good coaches um then this whole system doesn't doesn't work so it's partly me looking okay what else can we give a coach that they can develop further how how can I, for example, if we decide to go into a new game, how can I make sure I can interview and know enough about coaching myself that I can at least identify a good coach, but I can't do it myself. Um, how can I make sure that then we can set up a new franchise well because we have the right infrastructure in place. Infrastructure is not even just coaching staff, it's our performance managers that do gym, all these things, our sports psychologists. So making sure we have the right people in those positions and they're correctly staffed. I mean, by now, our performance staff is it's quite large. When I look <laughs> at the last couple of years, it grows, like the same as traditional sport. Um, so these are kind of the long and short-term things that I, that I usually deal with. And then everything that, that likes to come up in our very chaotic <laughs> eSport world that we have. No, for sure. It's, it's, I mean, it's insane how big these support groups kind of get, right? You have the coaching staff, you have the sports psychologists, you have the uh, food and catering staff. You have, it's, a, it's a whole, like, it takes a literal village to keep this team going, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you can you can always add more to it. And then especially if you look at on the business side, we have too many people that also need to communicate mm-hmm. with the partnerships, people, marketing. There's there's always something to do and there's always something to kind of communicate. And often in my position, I'm kind of the in the middle person between the players and the coaches here and then our people on the business side who both usually have very different interests. They want to do content for 10 hours. Players want to rather not do content at all. <laughs> and we find some middle ground where everyone's happy and we, we do the right thing. <laughs> for sure. It's, 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 it's a hard life being the one in the middle i'm sure but uh i'm sure it's not being hard it's not a hard thing to watch your team succeed and kind of make it to i guess the penultimate or you know kind of final uh uh, championship for your respective league and league of legends of course so safe to say of course you're satisfied with the lec team's performance uh how do you feel going into worlds what are your thoughts like you have a top tier team going into the top tier tournament what are your thoughts going into worlds I mean, Worlds is always always an interesting one because I, since especially with the format and the way Worlds has been, I think it's a really hard one to win consistently. Like winning your own region consistently, a lot of teams have done that. But I guess apart from SKT, nobody has really won Worlds mm-hmm. consistently. And even now you would say, okay, the LPL was really, really strong. The first seed from LPL should be a favorite. But to be fair, in most years that hasn't been the case. And even when FPX was first seed, everybody thought they wasn't that good. So it's, I think Worlds is really, really hard to predict. And even for us, it's like, yes, of course, we would like to again be in the quarterfinals, same as we were in 2019 when we played SKT in a like, sold-out arena in Madrid. Amazing. One of the best experiences in my life. would love to have that again. Um, but it is really hard to plan for. And especially for us, we're also less of a team that will go like, oh, we're going to 
win the finals and that's what we focus on i'm all like okay what's the next step next step is group stage okay what do we need to do to be good in groups that's the only thing we talk about we don't want to talk oh but if we meet fpx in the best of five and quarters what are we doing no we need to do group stage first then we deal with quarters then we deal with semis and then ideally we deal with finals and if we don't get there that's okay but we're more focused on the next game versus two big of a picture because it just distracts you from it um so i would love to make it to something like semis or something but it's it's hard to predict and especially with the competitiveness of this world of korea and especially china looking really strong it will also depend who we get and if we even make it through groups i mean last time we thought we would be good at worlds we dropped out in planes so <laughs> we have some some trust to regain there from the european fans as well no no worries i mean at least you're not uh, north america right i know you didn't say north america at all in that statement so i'm, I'm assuming <laughs> they are bottom of the totem pole right now which is i will say it's fair it's fair <laughs> I mean, I say this now, and then they might beat us in groups. Who knows? But yeah, right. I would definitely expect the, the Chinese and Korean teams to be much stronger this year. That's I mean, that's that, usually the case. That is always the case. That, that is usually the case. And so, um, I mean, this squad you guys have assembled, it's been they've been great for this the, these past two splits. Um, I mean, I've been impressed just so much by by Elioya, like you mentioned, the LEC uh, Rookie of the Year for me personally. I mean, who else is on this squad has kind of come out and really spoken to you as you've watched these games or kind of paid attention to during practice and, and what's going on behind the scenes? And Elioya has definitely been incredible, not only from <laughs> the gameplay that people see, but for example, when even in the best of five, when we lose game one, he's the type of player that will come out and say, okay, guys, why are we not doing this like the way we do in practice? Let's like dive bot on this wave. Let's do this. Let's do this. And you look at him and you're like, you're a rookie? Are, are you sure you're a rookie? Because his behavior is so unrookie like He has such a leadership status already, which was just incredible to see. And I've never really seen before another player that young. So, so that's been a joy to work with this year. Um, but I think Humanoid has really stepped into the role of kind of teacher leader for the team while bringing incredible performances himself but it's interesting after we won in spring most players in the interview afterwards thanked humanoid for how much he kind of taught them about the game which is something that is usually hard to see big stage and even someone like amut who like openly struggled the summer split with burnout and said okay i'm gonna like take it easy i'm not gonna be a good this summer and everyone hated on him mm. on all the social media platforms and he said oh, i'm okay and then i'm gonna be good in playoffs and the guy just smurfs it in playoffs gets finals mvps and you have to be like okay <laughs> i mean that, that's confidence and that's knowing when you want to be good and that's like pacing yourself like this is a marathon not a sprint and that's something i'm, I'm generally like really happy with this year that we've managed I mean, does it shock you that you have these younger 22, 21, even 19 years old players kind of be so so mentally strong? Is, it, is that something that you, you wish, you know, other players in other organizations you've, you've kind of been in, been a part of, had when, they, uh, when you were part of the organization? Or, or is it something that is a pretty commonplace about European esports? I don't think it's it's commonplace at all right now. I think currently our current roster has a really, really strong mental game and it's like pure confidence on people and the way they behave, especially when in the studio and you can like scream at the enemy team because they're banned a champion of Armut and just that kind of stage present uh, that has set us up really well for best of five success and it's definitely not something that that all teams had and i've i've been on teams before where we had really good scrim results and then just couldn't convert on stage and that's the most frustrating thing because you go into the week everything goes well in scrims you have all the concepts you know everything and you go on stage and you can't convert it to wins that's incredibly frustrating mm -hmm. the situation we have now where like even if scrims might not go perfectly 
you go on stage and you still just have the natural confidence that turn their stage buff on it's a lot more fun <laughs> very very it's much more fun to work with oh for sure i'm imagining <laughs> kind of translating that practice into victories is always oh it's always a lot more fun let's be honest so um there's been a lot of behind the scenes chatter regarding the location of worlds and we're not going to get into that here because right as a confirmed anything i'm not going to ask you to kind of you know drop no drop, drop news here on the show because that's that's not very uh, respectful of me so obviously from right now all we know is that it's moved it's been moved from shenzhen china and, and a bunch of other host cities to europe we don't know where yet exactly confirmed but a big reason that uh it was moved was because uh issues obtaining visas issues with travel was that something that you had issues with if you could speak to any amount of, of, of problems you guys had traveling yeah, so obviously last year's Worlds in China actually were there as well, and it was actually fairly smooth compared to this. So, like, Riot did a really good job of kind of getting everyone in. We're surprised that it worked, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, I don't think it was a particular team or something that made a mistake necessarily, but the visa requirements, or at least generally China entry requirements, have gotten even harder, which was to surprise everyone, because like, last year we all thought this was the hardest Worlds we ever have to do. Next year, like, it's, it's <laughs> going to be much easier. We have this figured out. And we didn't really expect to have more problems, but I think part of it is that, for example, China requires uh, not just PCR tests, they require the blood test kind of test if you had had COVID before. And if you had, then there were other tests that needed to be done. And I don't know if that is specifically what disqualified teams, but there were so many extra steps this year mm. that I think enough players would have not gotten through. And then playing Worlds with like half a U team somewhere and then half an A team somewhere, like that, that just wouldn't be Worlds. So I'm in that sense happy that Riot made a decision, okay, as much as Worlds in China in terms of big events and the crowd and everything would be better, let's have a world with all the teams. Let's focus on the competitiveness of it and Europe at least. I mean, Germany has an eSport visa. Other countries have an eSport visa. Generally, it has been easier. Iceland and MSI work beautifully. Um, so Europe seems to be an easier country to get into. And I mean, also, we have European teams. DNA uh, organizations have a lot of European players. I guess there are a lot of players that can <laughs> go there anywhere, anywhere. So that, it does make sense to have it in Europe. And as much as I would love to be in Europe with an arena again, as I mentioned, 2019 Madrid was absolutely amazing. I, I don't expect that to be much, just the timing. I, I highly doubt if that works out. But I'm happy to just have an event where... We don't need to travel as much and where we're kind of closer resource-wise as well. Like, it's much easier for me to support a team and, like, get something else and get a new PC, upgrade something when <laughs> our office isn't as far away as when it's in China with two-week quarantine and everything else. So, from that perspective, it's an upgrade, even though Shanghai last time and was absolutely amazing for League of Legends. Like, the amount of, like, dedication that city has to leak, it's, it's unmatched in Europe. No, for sure, for sure. And so, um, I guess... Now, just kind of a question of how confident are you that, you know, we're, we're a month out from Worlds pretty much from the plans kind of starting and everything, and we're, we're a little bit less than that now. Um, how confident are you in, in, in Riot's ability to kind of get things going as quickly as possible, as clean as possible? And it, it, does that bring any, do you think that bring any distractions to Worlds? I don't think so, right? Um, I mean, it will depend on how chaotic it becomes. It's always hard to predict. Um, on the other hand, two-week quarantine would already have been like a really negative impact like last time we struggled with it. So we kind of assume there's going to be some negatives to it, but it will affect every team equally. Uh, I wouldn't also be surprised if Riot had backup plans for China and maybe was planning this a bit longer in advance. I wouldn't be too surprised. So I hope it's it's similarly smooth to how MSI in Iceland was actually a fairly smooth experience from our side. So if they can kind of reach that level, then 
we're, we're happy and we'll, we'll work through it. And otherwise, we can support better from our side since we're in Europe. So from our perspective, it should be easy. Um, I thought some of the teams that I now need to also apply for visa, visas in Europe and do <laughs> all the work for, for us. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, all the paperwork that we have prepared out of the window, we just show our passports and arrive. So uh, that should make it a lot easier. No, for sure. I mean, plus the fact that, you know, the I guess the European, the European Union travel restrictions aren't as, as stringent as other countries. So it should be a little bit easier to get between countries and, and not have to worry too much about have to do a two-week quarantine here and then another two-week quarantine here. Exactly, and it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a little bit easier now that it's just kind of – it's an easier path of travel, right? Absolutely. Okay. And so how – I mean – from a person who, if you could remove yourself from the the, the Mad Lions, uh, the, the take off the hat of Mad Lions for a second, right? How excited are you personally to have? You know, I know you're based out of Berlin. You're 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 currently in Madrid. How excited is it to have Worlds in your backyard again? Unfortunately, I don't think it matters for this one because <laughs> I don't think it's going to have the audience that we would all like to have. Mm. Um, and so, as much as it might be nice on like viewing hours. I, I wouldn't even count this as kind of a European world mm. until we have U- worlds in Europe again where we fill stadiums and we have all the different nationalities being passionate for their teams and, and kind of shouting their lungs out. I don't think it. I want to personally even count as that. For me, it's just the Madeline perspective of travel is nicer. And I guess for someone living in Europe, the time zone should be nicer than it might be in China. Uh, but I, I don't have high expectations. But this is the world right now. If I see the COVID numbers that have been produced by football matches, I'm partly glad we're not going down that road and we're just producing good high quality entertainment and we'll hopefully return to stadiums when we can for sure for sure that's that's the hope for for probably next season maybe next season we'll see more more uh, a regular amount of fans in the stands as, as opposed to right now everything is you know half capacity quarter capacity but for now we we, we deal with the esports we have now with the esports we wish we had right Exactly. And so uh, I guess I, I'm glad you brought it up, though. Just, I have maybe one last question for you. You mentioned, like, the nationalities and, and some that always kind of uh, made me, like, like be a little bit proud of, right, was that esports teams in Europe were very kind of uh, multilingual. They were very, uh, you know, kind of diverse in, in a way. Uh, for you, if you could speak to this, is it – does there any problems or any not not problems necessarily, but kind of like a language barrier between certain players and stuff like that, or is it more just like uh, it feels a little bit more just different walks of life coming together and just kind of have to coordinate that way? You always have your kind of interesting culture clashes, but often not in a bad way, but often it's in a funny, oh, this is how you guys do things. And then you <laughs> kind of learn from each other. Uh, it's always been funny. Language-wise, most league players actually have pretty good English, uh, we've realized, because they've gotten so used to just speaking it very early on when they would play with people from other nationalities, so especially compared to normal population. There is a point to when it's really hard conflict resolution and really difficult topics that you do realize countries that generally are poorer in English um, struggle more and we try to kind of account for that and make sure they have the time to be heard because you never want a native speaker to run over a non-native speaker in any argument simply because of kind of a language advantage mm-hmm. um, but it, it's always been fascinating since I've been in East of how many people I know all over Europe and that we just normally work with each other especially since i think in europe like world war ii isn't too far out when you really think about it and <laughs> right now all of a sudden i have all of these people around me and we just play video games with and against each other and it's it's fascinating because i think less about the fact that so many of them are foreign and from different countries it's just the norm it would be weird to have a team of five germans all of a sudden like that would <laughs> that would be the the odd one out while international is just the standard and i think kind of like 
on a global view going forward. It's actually quite nice. I think it's 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 a it's a beautiful uh, sight to see. You have what a, a Turkish team, yeah, a, a Turkish team member, uh, two Czech players, a, a German, a Spaniard. I mean, it's it's and you have Vizzy, uh, my favorite name in all of esports is Vizzy Chachi, of course, because I, I I love saying it. It's such a fun name to say. But uh, Do you know I, that it means water donkey. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I was gonna say that. Dang it, you stole my thunder. I was literally gonna say, you know, it means water talking in Hungarian. Dang it, you stole my thunder. But yes, yes. Well, I think that's a great note to leave it on. Just the kind of uh, the, the uh, diverseness that the LEC brings to people, and the diverseness that affects the Mad Lions team, and of course. We wish you guys the best of luck heading into Worlds, and I, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm personally excited to see you guys perform at Worlds. Not as excited for the NA teams because I want to see them kind of, uh, you know, kind of fall on their face and fail. But that's between you and me. Well, <laughs> oh, thank you. But uh, in case you guys don't know, Mad Lions at Mad Lions on Twitter at Mad Lions underscore en for the English side of things, which you know, as we, we have two separate Twitter accounts for multiple languages, why not? You know, but we celebrate all kinds of uh, multilinguals and polyglots here on the esports network. So obviously, no set date for Worlds just yet. We'll up to you guys. Guys, no set location yet. Again, everything once everything is happening, we'll, we'll update everybody. And I'm sure uh, <laughs> Till here is very excited to get all the travel arrangements in order once those are confirmed Absolutely. and in place. So uh, Till, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your day to, to come on and talk to us. Cool. Well, yeah. Thank you for having me. He is Till Vediman, director of team operations and the general manager of Mad Lines. And I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network podcast. Whoa.